Are we in a good mood this morning, Painter? Feeling good. Got my fix. Got my fix. What was your fix? The biscuits, the eggs, the bacon, a little coffee. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty I'm good. You're ready to roll. I'm loving it like McDonald's. I had uh, I had some I had some beignets this morning. Oh wow! Did you go downtown? Yeah. I guess that's really the only place I know of that you can get those I bad think so. boys. Yeah. Um, they hooked me up. They hooked, I got a three piece order because it's a standard, and oh. they gave me four. When I got home, I realized that I had Popeye's four. treatment. Yeah. Got yeah. It's just the <laughs> Popeye's treatment for sure. So I'm I'm running on sugar right now. You're running on grease. Some caffeine. Um, and uh, we've got we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We've got actual football to talk about. We've got a little basketball we want to discuss as well. So there's a lot going on. But first, I want to um, start with something pretty serious. Okay, we try for the most part, and I think we do a good job of it. We try not to get political here on this podcast. And I want to hold up to it right now for the most part. But... I have to make a make a bold statement here and get a little political on you guys. So here it is. I am going to fight the United States Postal Service. <laughs> I am going to fight the post office. Um, a lot of you out there who have ordered you ordered your koozies when we did them last month. Appreciate the patience. Appreciate you guys um, tweeting pictures of them and post them. That's pretty, been pretty spreading cool. the gospel. That's been pretty cool to see. But a few of you, I know of at least two of you out there who that you got the koozie and it was like it didn't have enough postage on it. There was a guy who was telling me that uh, that make him like back order. Did they give it to him? He had to like pay like, like two dollars. Oh at my the post god! Office. And so I'm like, I'm feeling bad about it because. You know, Painter, we know, like, we went through the whole process. I weighed those jokers and, like, put the right stamps on them and, and you know, tried I to... I didn't know that they could do that. So I didn't know that either. So they walked up and were like, hey, this isn't sufficient. We're going to deliver it anyway, but now the burden is on you, consumer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. It's like, this is... I'm surprised they didn't just send it back, although I guess at that point it's like, well, we've already got it. Yeah. So we're going to deliver it and then make the person who received it pay? Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry, folks. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I was, I was <laughs> laughing. Do that. Um. Uh, let me let me look up. And I'm gonna see. start it. Let I'm me look up and see who that was because I want to. I want to packages to people I don't like. <laughs> where I can't cover the whole. I, I didn't bill. even know that was. You know, that was something you could do. A shout out to Jay. Jay was telling me that like he got it. He, he said, I had to go to the post office and pay additional shipping to pick it up. And so he said, no more five-star comments uh, uh, from me. No more five-star reviews. Uh, shouting you out. He was like, he, he told me, I'll, I'll tell you this in the email. He's like, well, I need to th- you need to throw a painter under the bus and be like, he was the one in charge. I was like, actually, I was in charge of all the stamps, so that was my problem. So, uh, painter, you're off the hook uh, uh, for this one. Um, but I just, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Right and like it, Jay was one of ours that had a had a bigger order, but it was like I I was stunned. I was like I I offered to pay. I was like, look, I'll send you money back because that's ridiculous. Um, and a couple Should other we people just comp him in koozies. I mean, I would if we had any more. You know, we're, oh, we're, that's yeah, a good point. We, yeah, yeah. You guys did a good job of gobbling them all up. Like we did the order. And then we added like a few extras for some people who might have fallen. We had a few people who who were like, "Yeah, I missed the deadline." Right, or and we just we did a few just to get to a round number. Case, right. So like we're out basically right now. Like we're we're coming up towards the end. But yeah, 
I, uh, I'm going to fight the post, post office because I followed their rules. And, like, here's the thing. One guy had to, it said, like, there wasn't enough uh, postage on it from the mail, from the, um, from the mail people, mail, mail persons. Um, but it, it was just one in an envelope with a stamp on it. And like, we sent a ton of those and they all, <laughs> the other ones went through no problem. But then this one, I don't know, just caught somebody on the wrong day, I guess. My freedoms are being infringed upon. Yeah. So we're declaring war on the post office. Um, this podcast is now political. Yes. This is now a political podcast, but yes, I appreciate everybody who uh, who who bought the koozies Enjoying and enjoying your Friday beers with them. We'd yeah. love to see it. Some of you were on the golf course. Some of you guys were establishing it. Mm-hmm. Good work all the way around, folks. Yeah. So hopefully that we might have some more merch opportunities down the line. Uh, but this was a one that you know a little delay from the from the manufacturer, but we got it. We got it out there. First things first, though, we're going at full anarchy. We're attacking the post the postal service, the post office. You're going down. That's a message from the Auburn Observer. You I have, hate you. You have you have a short amount of time to turn this thing around, or uh, it, we it's will gonna continue be the, to use you. Yeah, we, we we probably won't do anything. We're not that we're not that strong in principle. I'd like to think that I have some sway, but I don't. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, and oh boy, what a weekend it is. Justin Ferguson here, Painter Sharpless here as well. Hello, Painter. Staying hydrated, staying on top of my game. You were talking before we we came on about how back in the day, football, <laughs> they didn't really the think hydration was that important. Two. Yeah, they were like, this is war, and uh, also no water. Yep. Um, because it makes you weak. So not only and it enhances your performance to be thoroughly dehydrated and do two a days. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, man, I'm going to get mad at you for screwing up this drill. I'm sure you being hydrated has no, nothing to do with you screwing up this drill. Did though. I just punch a 19 year old? Absolutely. Did I let him drink any water in the last two days at football practice? No. Are we storming the beaches of Normandy? Absolutely. We are here to talk about fall camp, which has plenty of hydration, no punching, um, you know, the, the, the standards we, we talked about in the off season, how tough the workouts were for Auburn, Auburn football, the strength and conditioning staff, um, you know, taking that, taking that new approach and, and seeing the effects of it. But yes, uh, we have come a long way in terms of, Hey coaches, here's how you need to treat your players. Um, so glad I'm living and reporting in that era than back in the day where it was like, People just watched that and were like, that's fine. That's okay. This is how manly men are made, folks, and we love it. Yes. Uh, speaking of manly men, you wrote a little uh, bullet point about Tank Bigsby. Good gracious. I mean, he was already in excellent shape last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Is he looking He's like... He's got some guns, man. Just a Look. knight in shining armor at yeah, this point. Yeah. A few of those guys, too. Uh, Colby Wooden. Uh, Kobe Wooden is also looking at <laughs> particularly. Imagine treating your body like a temple, waking up rested, mm-hmm. feeling good, having a nice diet. Nope, I'm out Can't on both relate. of those. I started watching. I, I did. I started watching after I got done working Friday night. I started watching the Suicide Squad 
and I Is finished it. Good. It. It's I've great. seen oh, some. Oh, it's I've fantastic. Seen, yeah, that was. Oh, I saw some things on Twitter, dude. You know, it was like a. It's it was so such good. a. It was such a punchline. I guess in 2016 or whatever. The I, I think the out. original Suicide Squad was the worst movie I've ever paid money <laughs> yeah. to watch. So when I was seeing yeah. these takes, and I was like. Is this a bit completely different? Not a... Completely different, yeah. Okay, it's All really right. good. It's really good. I, I recommend it. Um, like I said on Twitter, it's like if you're a person like me who's kind of burnt out on uh, superhero stuff, and mainly all... probably like the Avengers, yeah, universe. and like even some of the DC stuff where it's like everything's the biggest thing in the world and it's so serious and it's these you know, pop culture swallowing events where it's like, oh, we're all just making these movies now and we're all doing these things. This one was very like, yeah, this is not a normal one. And it's very subversive uh, in a lot of ways. It's funny, very Isn't violent. John Cena in it? Yeah, John Cena's what in What a career arc that yeah, guy has and He's had. apparently doing a spinoff series. His character is going to be in like an HBO Max series. Would we enjoy hanging out with John Cena? Hmm. I don't I'll, know enough about him, but you might simply because like of the wrestling knowledge you have. I mean, he's always seemed to be a guy that's been, like said, he's like a good dude. He does a lot of charity work and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if you need to ask him about his views on China, but like, <laughs> other than that, uh, other than that, like, nah. So yeah, su- the Suicide Squad. If you can handle uh, some some violence, which by violence I mean a lot of violence. It's it's a very violent movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, no good sleep, good rest, good diet. Uh, but that was doing that during the off season. So, I mean, uh, it gives me more of an excuse to keep that rolling in. Now into, that you're busy. Now that, <laughs> now that we're busy and Busier. boy, are we busy? Um, because as we talked about recently, uh, the access that we have here in fall camp, uh, this first week of fall camp, five uh viewing windows including we had two on friday which we'll talk about here shortly um several player interview sessions uh several with with brian harson um you've also got uh one coming up here with where we'll be able to talk to mike bobo and Derek mason which is always really informative stuff whenever you get to talk to assistant coaches so there's a lot of that going on and we're going to be busy and we are going to have a lot of it popping out at the observer a lot of people signed up uh, over the weekend. We appreciate that. We have blasted through our 800-sub goal, uh, and we're pushing on. We want to see how high this thing can get uh, before the end of the year. Um, so it's a good time to join. If you're listening and you listen to our free podcast, which we appreciate, um, good time to sign up. $6 a month, $60 a year. You'll get all these observations and, and uh, breakdowns and stuff like that throughout fall camp sent directly into your email inbox. Like what we're going to talk about right here, day one of fall camp. Painter, we were out there, at we as in me, you were working. I was going to say easy there, yeah. guy. <laughs> we as in the media, uh, we're out there. Uh, the veterans had a practice uh, for, you know, in the morning. The newcomers had a practice uh, later in the day. And even that, even those, uh, these, those labels are a little, little iffy, a little iffy. Because there were quite a few veterans uh, that were in the newcomer practice, and there were quite a few newcomers that were in the veteran practice. You might be saying to yourself, now why is that? I think there might be some of it to be, hey, maybe some guys are further along. Maybe they're plugged into the playbook. Smoke Monday talked about how much he thought Darius Knighton and Donovan Kaufman had done a great job getting into the playbook and knowing the defense. Might have something to do with that. 
But also, it could just be, you know, numbers game. For example, there were no new tight ends coming in this summer. So how do you split up the tight ends? Um, well, three of them went in the morning, two of them went in the afternoon. The two of them went in the afternoon were Brandon Frazier and, and Landon King. Um, we saw some defensive linemen that are probably going to play a decent bit this year that were with the newcomers. Uh, Zachavius Walker, Dre Butler among them. Um, we saw... I'm trying to think of more. Oh, uh, two wide receivers coming back from injury. Uh, two, I think the two oldest receivers on the roster, um, now, with Demetrius Robertson still pending uh, his his arrival at Auburn. Um, like Drayshawn Miller being in the later yeah, Drayshawn Miller was there, like, but you, you, you also saw him to you contribute. Know, but. Yeah, you saw Shed Jackson and Kayla Newton out there. I mean, so it was it was a different kind of split. Even guys who were early enrollees were out there with the newcomers and. Yet there were some fresh-faced folks in the early session. So, uh, like I said in the observations, if you're a subscriber on Saturday, don't read too much into them. Um, But I think in certain positions where you're looking at, like, you know, we need to find a starter, like we need a brand-new starter if you're Auburn, you can see, you know, Donovan Kaufman, uh, by Darius Knight and both out there. Uh, Ekuliota was with the veterans, and we talked about how big he could be in the in the edge department. Whereas Drayshon Miller, with the cornerbacks, there's not a lot of new coming new cornerbacks, um, so he might be in the later practice, kind of getting up to speed with everything. You know, you have Nehemiah Pritchett back, you have Roger McCreary back, so it's not like you're starting from square one over at cornerback. Um, so we'll talk a lot about you know, who was at what practice and whatnot on Friday. But again, like I said, don't read a ton into it. I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's reasons and different reasons for different folks. Uh, but the other thing is, is that this is a practice that, you know, by the time the next time we get to go out there and watch them, they'll be all together again. So it might, it might not be that big of a deal. Um, also want to make a disclaimer. And I think several of you out there who read, um, who, I mean, who are subscribers and who may read like 247 or Rivals or On3 or um, I think even AL.com uh, and maybe the OA News may have mentioned it as well in their write-ups, all the all the great work done uh, across the beat. Uh, it was also cool to see everybody be, being out there again. Had some new faces as well, which was which was fun. The young bucks. Yeah, and, and they're only getting younger. They've replaced Josh Vitale, by the way. Sweet guy. With a Mizzou kid. He's supposed to be a really nice guy, but Missouri <laughs> keeps big J journalism. Missouri Come keeps on. Missouri journalism. Uh, is Have you reached out to Colton uh, to tell him the, that you got a, the conductor, got a Missouri the conductor, adjacent boy? The conductor Peter Ball actually texted uh, me to okay. say, "Hey, this guy's you know tech kind of gave me the rundown on this on this guy." So anyway, uh, yeah, welcome him. Uh, his his name his is name? Uh, his name is Bennett, um, and I can't remember his last name Classic off the top of my head. White guy but uh, yeah. Great, we're bullying the kid before he even shows up. That's I'm sure great. he's a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, anyway. I mean, again, I've said this before. I have no room to... Anytime I'm throwing glass stones, what's the Throwing phrase? glass stones, yeah. There we are. Uh, anytime we're doing that, you know, just remember that Your I go by Painter. the name Painter. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, where was I? Oh, so... <laughs> yeah, a disclaimer. Um, Auburn, new staff, the SIDs... You know, came before before practices and said, "Hey, they're asking us not to report on who is out there and who is not like who is not out there." I should say, clarify there, who is not out there and who is injured. Like, if we see somebody on the side that gets hurt or is on crutches or like not participating, 
They don't want us to report that. And here's the thing. That's a change, and that's that's not great. Like, it, it makes our job tougher, but it's also, you know, it's in exchange for practice access, and so we've got to play by their rules. You know, it could be worse. You could have no practice access whatsoever, which is currently happening at the University of Georgia. So, um... Yeah, my... my read from a distance here is that you guys were pretty pleased with some of the access that mm-hmm. you've gotten to this stage both oh, in yeah. the spring and in the early part of fall camp but at this point like you said with the new staff it does come with the stipulation yeah and it's frustrating from our perspective but it's also I mean, they can do that it is, like it they, is they thing can that do you that. have said time and time again about coaches is that it happens a, at they, other places a, a lot. they don't have an obligation but it's nope. not contractual and b like they just don't I mean, they don't have to do anything because it's not contractual, I think is sort of the what I'm getting at here. Right, right. So we'll, we're going to talk throughout you know, fall camp about players that we see out, in, out at practice that we hear from. Um, but from a practice-to-practice basis, you know, if I don't mention somebody and you might be like, you know, was he out there? I can't answer that for you, right? But also, as I wrote in the observations, it's not like I'm writing everybody's name that I see down, right? So, like, there are guys... Sometimes that might not get mentioned. Yeah, there are guys who were out there... There were guys who were out there on, on, on Friday that I didn't write anything about because I didn't see as much from them, you know? for Either from the angle I was at or just, you know, they, they didn't have... You know, there's only so much you can write down and, and, and you know, observe in that, in that time frame. So, um, anyway... Just keep that in mind moving forward, and, I, and I'm sure if you listen to other podcasts and you read other other fine beat writers' work out, out here, you might already be aware of that. So, let us go, Painter. I want you to be, as you often are on this on this program, our guide through uh, this discussion. Um, when you read and heard about what was going on in fall camp, what jumped out to you the most? Or maybe, what were some questions that you had heading into camp, heading into that first day of camp that uh, you, you want to talk about from, you know, from day one. I think the two places to start are either offensive line or wide receiver. So which one did you feel like you gleaned the most information from, given that it's one practice right? and we've got a lot more practices to go before we make any sweeping conclusions? Right, and I think offensive line is where you got information. I think wide receiver, There's a, we can talk a decent bit about wide receiver, and we will, but offensive line let's start there um brian hartson said this on thursday that they're going to do a lot of uh of cross uh training between uh positions on the offensive line nick brahms talked to us after uh the veterans practice he said we did a lot of moving around guys are playing a lot of different positions so this is going to be key he also made it very clear and this is also something that i've i've thought was interesting from from the cross training perspective if you're moving dudes around right it might take you a little longer to find your best five. And Brom said it. He said, you know, once we get towards the start of the season, we'll probably have a five in place. But, like, don't expect, like, these are the first teamers. You know, this is, these are the clear-cut starters. Don't expect to hear that by the middle of next week, right? Now, what we can do when we go out there is look at patterns, right? If we see player X, Y, and Z with the first team in one practice and then we go back to the next practice or the next availability and X, Y, and Z are still out there with the first team. 
that says something, right? But they're mixing and matching. They're changing a bunch of bunch of different things. The big takeaway painter from uh, the offensive line in day one of practice is that Brandon Council looks good out there. Um, and this was one where Brian Harson said, "Hey, everybody's healthy. There's going to be no limitations on Brandon Council. We're going to let him, you know, cut it loose from the very first practice." And there he was. We saw the offensive line do drills with the first team right there, back where he was before the injury uh, last season. First team, right guard. And So uh, you wrote that the first team offensive line, just to give mm-hmm. people a refresher from left uh, tackle to right tackle, yeah. Troxel, Manning, Brahms, Council, Ham. Mm-hmm. Right. So, we saw Troxel. We saw Troxel take left team, uh, left, left team, uh, first team left tackle reps. Uh, Alec Jackson was observing kind of like, and there were some times where they rotated, but you know, with, when the first team was out, you know, he was, he was off to the side a little bit watching as well. Second team offensive line, when it came out there, I think Ham and Manning were still on the field with them from, from time to time that we saw it. Uh, but we did see Killian Zyra get in it at, at left tackle. We did see, um, Avery Jernigan get involved at center and, um, who am I, who am I blanking on here? There's another there's another name. Um, Keandre Jones? Did you say Jones? Keandre Jones at right guard, yeah, as well. Um, and we saw uh, we saw Cam Stutz. Cam Stutz uh, was the other one to, to get involved at right guard. So some changes some things up. Uh, so, yeah, the drill we saw, like, it was like Alec Jackson and Keandre Jones were kind of, you know, right behind those guys on the first team. And then when the second team came out there, they were off with the first team as well. So it was it was like they were like, 1.5 team like kind of like oh you're the you, you know you're you're with the first team but you're not quite you're not with the first team but you're not quite the second team it was kind of I, I looked at i looked at jackson and and jones as guys two guys that were starters last season kind of in that little that that ground of like between right so the backups the second teamers the non-starters that we saw the zyre stutz jernigan crew that to me, there seemed to be like a difference between where they were and then all the guys that started last season. All the guys who started last season were kind of in a wide together, but you know, only five of them came on the field at one time. So I think that's where that difference comes from. But Council looked good. Um, Nick Brahms on Brandon Council uh, says, "Quote: Brandon has always been an athletic guy, and I don't think he's lost a step. He did all the conditioning stuff with us this summer. He was a hundred percent a lot of the summer." I think he did a good job today. He's working at different positions. He'll definitely contribute this year. Um, so, man, if, if Brandon Council was able to go, as Brom said, 100% in those summer workouts, it's a really good sign for where he needs to be for, for the upcoming season. And as we talked about before, Painter, he is key to this offensive line, not only because of his versatility, but like he might have been their top performer last season, performer last season before they, you know, he went down with injury. I just want to see him healthy. Uh, those first couple games, the thing that will be said about him all fall, which will be a little bit annoying by the end, but it's like he'll have to knock the rust off, he'll have to do this and that. And it's like, all right, fine, let's let's do that by seeing him out there in a game situation. And Auburn, as we've talked about a lot, also gets a nice couple of warm-up games to do that. Interesting to see Austin Troxel kind of getting those first team reps and again Alec Jackson might be getting the first team reps and drills we didn't see because he was kind of out there with him but I think a lot of people are wanting to see Troxel take that step up um this year stay healthy uh he was a really highly touted tackle coming out of high school and he's had so many injuries um that consistency you know he hasn't been able to consistently be out there on the field 
uh, most years. This is what Brahms had to say about, uh, I asked him specifically about Troxel, and he said, quote, Trox is definitely healthy now. He's a heck of a football player, heck of a friend of mine. I'm really just looking forward to seeing him take the field this year. That guy deserves the world, man, because everything he's been through. He's fought through. He's a true Auburn man. He deserves it. Um, so, Auburn little moment. Man. Yeah, a little, little momentum there with Trox. Um, right. And that'll be interesting to see where he could fit into into things. I think Zyra working with the second team was, you know, second team. And also, again, remember with, with the disclaimer, might not want to read a ton into who was at the veterans practice, who was the newcomers practice. But veterans practice, we saw Zyra, Brent Coffey was with the newcomers. And that might have just been a numbers thing, but... You know, Zyra and Coffee could be two guys that we said we're going to keep an eye on here in fall camp. They could get in the mix. I'm curious, though, as 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 Brom said, there's a lot of dudes moving around spots. We heard about tackles playing guard, guard playing tackle, vice versa, moving people around, trying to find the best five um, that can play together. Th- this offensive line, I think there's a lot more optimism in that camp right now than maybe Auburn fans might have been expecting. And, of course, they got to go out there and prove it on the field. And, you know, all this is talking preseason stuff until it actually happens. But when Council looks full speed and you've got all these guys coming back and fighting for jobs and you're seeing some dudes we haven't seen before step up and get some more reps, um, I think Will Friend is, is, uh, has got a, got a good situation on his hands. There's a lot of work to do, but um, I think there's room to be Auburn fan, if you're out there listening, you know, depending on your level of optimism or pessimism for Auburn's offensive line this season, I feel like you could bump it up a little bit based on what we saw uh, and, and what we've seen and heard from you know not only the summer but the, this first this first day of practice. Me, along with essentially any Auburn fan who's been tuned into the struggles of the offensive line, would like for Troxel to have a nice season. I oh, yeah. think because I mean the injury thing has been sad that that keeps coming up for him and also it seems like we've done this dance before where it's like there's a lot of excitement around Troxel like you said highly recruited player I think people think highly of of what it is he might be able to do and for any number of reasons to this stage in his career it hasn't happened so it would be a nice way to end things if this season he could go out have a great fall camp and, and put it all together on the field. Uh, that set, that uh, that as we said, second team offensive lines. Our Jernigan and Stutz were uh, were getting in there. I want to also mention um, the newcomers practice. We saw Garner Langlow, Tate Johnson, Jaleel Irvin, walk on Thomas Kirkham, who's a brand new addition, as well as Brandon Coffey and Colby Smith. Colby Smith is huge. This dude is utterly massive, um, and we we are going to see some of these guys start to get a little bit more love as we get closer to the closer to the season. Uh, but he is currently listed. This is a freshman. It's a teenager, six, eight, three twenty. <laughs> big old dude. One of the few guys on the field at any time that looks bigger than TJ Finley because TJ Finley. I mean, I, I knew he was big, but then seeing him out there and, and throwing in drills, it's like, oh, this guy's towering over pretty much everybody. There's some offensive linemen who have to look up at him, right? Uh, he was throwing passes in a drill to to Brandon Frazier. Those dudes are looking eye to eye at each other. 
um, you know, before the snap. That's pretty wild, to, wild to think about. But yeah, big old dudes on this on this offensive line, and uh, the young guys. There's some there's some real size with the newcomers. T.J. Finley, keep it up, buddy. Keep eating your collards. Come on. <laughs> uh, Finley working with uh, the newcomers, him and Demetrius Davis. There's a lot of under center. Well, I think we saw about 50-50 like under center snaps and shotgun snaps. You know, working on handoffs, working on play action plays. A lot of throws at the tight end. I know a lot of people want to talk about the tight ends. Buying stock and tight end Buy passes. stock and tight ends, man. We are man. buying the stock and passes to the tight ends. Who knows what will happen after they attempt them. Day one in camp, and they're working on two tight end sets in little quick drills. I'm telling Brian Harson has kept saying it like with the inexperienced wide receiver, they're going to need those tight ends to contribute in the in the in the passing game. We saw uh, John Samuel Shanker and Luke Deal get a lot of first team reps, brother uh, Luke, in those dr- drills. Tyler Fromm also in the veterans practice, and then Frazier and and uh, and Lanny King in, in, in the in the newcomer one. So, I mean, those guys were constantly working blocking next to the offensive tackles in a certain drill and then we saw them catch balls live balls from the from the uh, from the quarterback so that was cool to see um and i know auburn fans have just been waiting for it they want to see it i put i tweet the video of the giant the giant boy connection of uh of uh tj finley and brandon frazier um uh, and people are like wait is that a pass over the middle of the field to a tight end it's like yeah this offense is different like there's gonna be some hiccups there's gonna be some bumps in the road there's also gonna be some stuff that y'all have been dying be to watch routes and i know that auburn fans are feeling some things about the slant wide receivers you, you were talking about the wide receivers earlier yes um a few times i watched them working on their cuts working on slants specifically uh, there was a cool drill that I don't, you know, I'm not going to say I remember every single drill I ever watched Auburn run in the past. There's this cool drill that I, that I don't think I'd remember seeing that there was very like technique focused. I wrote about it in the observations. They ran this wide receiver drill where they had these shoots and I don't even know if shoots is the right like thing, but, um, maybe you can do maybe gates, maybe better of the term for it. Like painter, you know, the things where it's like. Um, slappy things like two poles up and then it's like rounded at the top and you kind of have to like crouch to go through them you know what i'm talking about like i'm gonna say i do it's like all right watch watch my hands the podcasting is a visual medium it's like it's gonna go up and over and back down right Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's just like a like wire like like metal wire and you stick them in the ground right so they were following you baby right and i don't know the best word to call them i was like shoots gates something like that Anyway, what they Ask were doing... Ask Ryan Harson what they're called. That seems like a good use of your media time. So they put... They put... Uh, in the wide receiver drill, they put them on either side of the either side of the formation. They were running two of them at a time. And then they put a dummy, put a blocking dummy uh, right behind them. And so what they were... What they were working on is coming off the... Coming off the line, getting short of the... Of the uh, cornerback, ducking low... You know, basically having those things up there to make sure you get your pad level right to get low to turn and catch and catch hitches. So it's very technique focused. And then once you made the catch, they had these little lanes where you cut and then go upfield. And so it was just we're going to do this over and over again. Just get the right technique down. And I don't remember seeing something quite like that in the past for Auburn. At least those little gate thingies. Um, but Cornelius Williams had those dudes working like non-stop motion which is a big thing for brian harson's practices but cornelius williams they were those guys were running 
all 20 minutes of both you know sessions we saw because you know they've got a lot of work to do they got a ton of work to do and painter they're doing a lot of slants and i know you're happy about that Cornelius Williams, the Basquiat of wide receiver coaches, just creating all the chaos. Is this going to be your new thing now? (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful motion. The wide receivers are moving. We love it. He played some quarterback in these drills. He played defensive back in some drills one time. Uh, Brian Harson played quarterback on some drills. I like to envision Brian Harson having a bit of nostalgia. Just like he's the first day and he's like, man, yeah, man, this feels good. This feels right. Like, he tossed me that ball, Ken, and he's like, "I gotta, I gotta get some of these reps." And it's like, Brian, no, you don't. But, but who's gonna tell you no? Yeah, he he was running it. Uh, the quarterbacks were doing something else, and so it was like, "Hey, let me I be mean, a there, part there of this." There is a logical thing of like him doing stuff that he knows how to do. Yeah, and showing and he's barking someone. and he's barking instructions but to, I, to I the like, wide receivers and the DBs. I like the idea. I prefer it if he doesn't actually need to show anyone. He just wants to get out there and toss this, the big skin around yeah. a little bit. He's a hands-on coach, right? So like he's a he's he's going to be a dude that gets involved. And I think that was one of the other things that I noticed in these practices is that pretty much all of the assistant coaches are like active participants in these drills. You, Brad Bedell was running a drill one time with the tight ends where he was acting like he was a linebacker. Um, we saw we saw uh, uh, Burt Watts doing kind of the same thing with the, with the edge guys. There was this drill where the running backs and the edge guys were kind of like going uh, back and forth like at each other. Like It was almost like a tennis drill where it was, where it was like, all right, I catch the ball and, you, and run this way and you meet me on the outside. And now you catch the ball and go to the, to the outside. So it was interesting. Like I... I saw Gene Moultrie with the ball in his hand several times. I was like, this is an interesting drill. But uh, there's a video, I think, that, <laughs> that Nathan King posted either at Auburn Undercover. He might have posted it on Twitter. I don't know where he, where he did it, but it's a video. <laughs> and I'm sitting there just oblivious to the world at this point. And I'm right, and, and Nathan's filming next to me and, like, trying to get, like, the audio on all that. And I was like, I have no idea what they're doing. Like, you can hear me just say, I have no idea what this drill is. <laughs> So there's my insight. There's my deep football knowledge that you guys are, are signing up to, to get. Um, but, yeah, there was just a, it was a lot of constant motion. And you feel like with those wide receivers, there's just a real sense of urgency because they know they have a lot of work to do. And, and I wrote about it Friday before camp began. Brian Harson, what do we want from our wide receivers? Consistency. He is very big on the mental side of quarterbacks, and you can make – you know, make the comparison that he's very big on that for the wide receivers as well. He's like, I don't want to see guys not lining up correctly, but knowing how to run these particular routes, knowing your playbook inside and out, knowing how to put yourself in the best position. And I'm curious to see who steps up there. Uh, Xavier Capers looked great. He was moving around really well off of that injury. Uh, same thing goes for Shed Jackson and, uh, and, and, and Kalen Newton as well. Uh, somebody pointing out at the observer in these error comments, there was a video uh, from practice and they were running some sort of drill um, that was uh, blocking oriented. And Kayla Newton took Amari Harvey, uh, freshman safety, for an absolute ride on a, <laughs> during a blocking thing, and just like, "Hi, hi, welcome to college football." Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, like, it's good to see some of those guys who missed some time, you know, bringing getting that energy, bringing that, that speed early on. Was up getting just pummeled into the ground? No, no, doing the pummeling. Yeah, well, so uh, what is Harvey's class? Freshman, he's that's, brand that's new. What I thought he he's, a, he's an early yeah, enrollee. Yeah, so the he was an early enrollee. He was limited uh, in, in in camp. So um, pretty funny there. Pretty funny there. Uh, apparently, 
the uh, and I hadn't seen the video yet that they were referencing, but this was uh, on the Observer comments from from Pete. He said, "If you want to laugh, go back and watch the newcomers' practice video of DB versus wide receiver drills." Kayla Newton kindly welcomes Amari Harvey to big boy college football and escorts him right back to the sideline. Um, we're back, baby. I wonder how much Cam is plugged into the team since, like, one, he's you know, when especially when Gus is the coach. He would occasionally, mm-hmm. when Auburn did something well or whatever, would make a point to shout out Gus and the team. But now, obviously, he has a, another tie, which has been for the last year or so his brother. Yeah. And I wonder how much they talk about uh, what's happening. By the way, did you see Cam's hat the other day? Yeah. Uh, he looks like Raiden from, from yes. Mortal Kombat. Yes. Like lightning's going to shoot out of his eyes. Apparently, he's having a great camp. Um, to the fact that, uh, to, to, to the point the that, like, Matt Jones might be third string. <laughs> Which was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. I was a big Max supporter Jared, if Jared, in college, if but it would be very funny if there were two Auburn quarterbacks. But apparently, him. Cam's arm looks a lot better, and so that's that, that's a good sign. Um, Tough for the Bills, but I'm thinking. Hey, your boy got paid. Thinking the, your boy uh, got paid. Yeah, yeah. He so you better hope that keeps going. Rights. I know. I'm so worried about. Uh, this just like somehow he did it for a year and then we'll forget how that to it's do just it. a COVID year. You know, there weren't fans hardly at these games. Well, and I get absolutely pummeled because I incorrectly, very incorrectly wanted Josh Rosen to be the quarterback, which is like, well, that aged great painter. Whew. But uh, I get roasted um, from the, uh, the Bills folk in my life. And it's like, look, I understand that I got this very wrong, so I have no room to do the dance. But uh, he was the worst quarterback in the league for two years, and, like, by a lot. And then somehow became, what, the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the league in the span of one season. Oh, he was top three last year. Forgive me for being nervous that it may not be real. (laughs) Anyway, we're ready for the Bills season. I'm ready, folks. Go Bills. Um, Bo Nix, it's your turn. All right. I've I've wanted you to have um, Yes. I've wanted you to have the this Josh Allen's year three quarterback. Uh, Wasn't that year three for Josh that Allen? That was year three for Josh Allen. So maybe I mean, maybe threes. Maybe three is your lucky number. Knees. What Josh is, Rosen's on like year six now and that's like <sighs> got that one wrong. Yeah. I think he's the third teamer for like San Francisco now. Mm. <laughs> Don't love it. Don't love it. Imagine being a, on a third team or salary living in San Francisco. Yeah. Budget's tight, man. Whew. <laughs> yeah, you're driving Uber as an NFL player. <laughs> um, what else do we want to discuss? Uh, saw Tony Fair for the first time. He's huge. Was he? 6'1", 330. Talking that noise. I hope he was. He was uh, the, the defensive line was on the far end of the field from where we were and had a hard time kind of hearing and seeing who was the biggest chatterbox on the field was there anybody that was hyping others up was there anyone that was talking talking a little junk okay zacoby and owen i notice are very vocal fired up um which makes sense for the way those guys two of the best players on the team by the way by the way if you didn't see the quote uh zacoby mclean uh, asked about his goals for 2021 from all the goals from the goat himself mark murphy uh, one God, of our favorites at Inside the Auburn Tigers. He is the best. He says, he said in response, quote, I've got a lot of goals. I'm making more of them. How many tackles did I have last year? I'm making more than that. I didn't even start the first two games, so I'm going to dominate. 
<laughs> more am tackles I, than any player in college football last season. He's like, yes. more. Will I be better? Absolutely. Am I making up goals real time? You better believe it, folks. That's make more plays. Doing. Get my team hyped up to make more plays. Win my awards. Be a better leader. Win more games. Get better every day 100% and love the game most of all. You know Brian Harson saw the last line of that transcribed and was like, Yes! <laughs> we love this game, folks. We love it. It's uh it's yeah, I, I enjoyed that. That uh, last line has got like the Brian Harson brain is like starting to seep into his players. Well, I mean it's about building a culture. It's about build, it's about building the culture, but I I like that we heard we heard about loving football as well, which I mean you obviously have to to be at the play at this high of a level, um, but uh, we heard about loving football from uh, from Smoke Monday. He said he was talking about Donovan Kaufman. He said uh, be having somebody on my side like that that loves ball just like I love it. Hey, I can play with him any day. Um, so yeah, I think that's a kind of a big thing as well. Like this is hard work. Obviously, they're going through grueling workouts work, and practices. Hard work. We love it. Exactly. Um, they're going through a bunch of... Uh, it's a grind to get to this level, as we all know. But it shouldn't be like a grind and also like, you know, oh, I'm just doing this because I'm good at it, you know? Or it's a way to, you know, it's a way to get a... Just a way to get to go to school. Just a way to get a yeah, chance to It's always to kind of amazing paid. to me that like, the Patriots are as consistently good as they've been over the, like, the last 15 right. years. Because it seems like it's pretty a well-known fact that it's like not fun to play for that organization. And so I'm surprised that it's not... On the outside. I think on the inside it might be different. Maybe. I, I just... Like you gotta love football though. Yeah, I think it's probably a lot more buttoned up than some right. other franchises. But like, it's any any time there's someone that like defects and speaks out about the Patriots, like ten other people, are like yeah, well, we also won a Super Bowl that year. So yeah. like, whereas like it is nice to see like a combination of extreme discipline or you know what have you focus and also like this can still be fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be soul sucking. It is football. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's. I Let's think it's not a, take it too seriously, right? If you're know. investing this much time in it, you got to love it. Otherwise, it's gonna <laughs> be a grind. And you know, I say let's not take it too seriously. But like, after Brian Harson's team loses a game, like someone will be going through his trash. So. You know, it's easy for me to talk about. Is not that going to be you? Or you get... It might be. Yeah, I am that someone. Brian Harson, <laughs> where do you live? Brian Harson, I will be the. I will be your personal raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> they are cute. Um, TJ right. Finley, so tall. Yeah, TJ Finley, big big guy. Uh, I'm trying to see what else I wanted to hit in these in these things. Uh, Smoke Monday, just to, again, quote machine. Uh, was asked about you know the NCAA's limited teams to nine full contact practices in the fall, and he said. Hey, that's enough for us. That's all we need. Coming into the spring, man, we knew our defense was going to be very physical, very violent. Violence. We love the violence, the controlled violence. I'm always reminded of the Neil Brennan bit on football when I when I yeah. <laughs> football player does football at wrong time. Big crit making an appearance. How about that? Okay, so Justin Lee and I had this discussion during the during practice. The times they had music playing, it was like alternating back and forth between like rap, like current rap and like classic That's got, rock yeah brian harson likes acdc and it's like i can see just this we- it's like a thread through it where it was just like it was like a drake song or big crit and I'm like all right that, that checks out for the yeah. youths yeah a few of those songs but then every now and then you'd be like back in black it was uh oh what, what was it 
I can't remember. I can't remember which which ACD song, ACDC song it was off the top of my head. Thunderstruck, Back in Black, Shot in the Dark, Highway to Hell. Should I just read out every ACDC song? I think it would take a while. Yeah, it probably would take you a while. You shook me all night long. <laughs> that that, that might have been it. Hell's Bells. I'm, uh... <laughs> We love Hell's Bells. But yeah, such a good I, I song. thought that was I thought that was thought that was pretty funny. Just kind of going the, the back and forth. It was like, ha, this is this is football. This is what Mike Bobo and Brian Harson want to li- listen to. We I bet there's some dudes over. on the team that would love to I'm listen sure, to that. Yeah, I mean, I listen to Hell's Bells in my car when I'm trying to get hype. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you doing the scene from The Office where where Dwight's warming up? Where Dwight's warming <laughs> up in the thing and he's punching the head seat in the in the back in the speed metal song? I actually I associate uh, Hell's Bells with. Alabama football because I think that okay. they play that pretty frequently at their okay I was at a game 10 years ago and they played it frequently then there's a chance painter that they may not still do it <laughs> they play uh, Dixieland Delight that's a that's a big deal yeah I mean I, I like that song I suppose um, I don't think I feel as like culturally attached to it as some people there no. might no I don't, I don't think so either but my Dixieland yeah, you, apparently you're going to start singing now. On I'm the crushing it. It's going to be our it's be our next Nathan evolution. Nathan is doing it. He didn't answer my question recently. I asked him what he was singing, and he didn't tell me. Yeah, I didn't get that. Why did you ask him that? Because you told me that he's doing the singing voice. Oh yeah, he is doing singing voice. Yeah, you have to be a little bit more specific with that with him. Anything else we want to discuss from from day one of 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 camp observations? Oh, now I'm just stuck in my head thinking about people having to listen to me sing Dixieland Delight like that. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You're gonna leave it in the podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anything anything else we want to add here? Good work, everybody. Keep it up, Brian Harson. I love seeing you out there living it up. Like wearing uh, long sleeves too. It was hot. The second practice was very hot. We were only standing out there for 20 minutes, and I was like, "This, so this is, is something this is warm. with Brian Harson that I can relate to." I also will wear long sleeves in the heat, and I'm mm-hmm. assuming that they're wearing like the jersey My, mesh. Maybe, is that a coach thing? My youngest brother, who's in coaching, does that. He like wears sleeves all the time. I, especially because I presume, don't want to burn. I guess I presume the uh, yeah, the can, shirts that they're that. wearing are those like lightweight yeah. ones. So like I don't know, it feels good mm-hmm. on on me having the long sleeve. I like it. Gotcha. It's gotcha. not a good reason, but it's <laughs> so, what it is. So for those of you who might not be aware, again Monday, uh, Mike Bovo, Derek Mason will talk to the media, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we do this. Uh, we have a viewing window and then interviews, viewing window, uh, interviews, viewing window, interviews. So there's going to be a lot of stuff on the observer here this next week. We have a mailbag coming up on Monday, uh, which I think we might do for a little while here in fall camp, just the way the schedule sorts out. So you can get in your questions last minute for that. What's up? Uh, I just want to point out, I think it'll be okay saying this now because it was a few months ago, but I saw Derek Mason at little Italy and I want to shout out Derek Mason because I too think that little Italy gets an unfair, uh, reputation. If you go to Little, the only Italy, time I ever ate there, I got sick. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's on you. Sorry. Um, you were weak. Yeah. And so, wait, wait. No, we can't talk about yes, being weak. You were weak, and so uh, I just want to applaud. Tapped out at CC's last week. Uh, well, you know, you did. I was honest with the public. I told yeah, you were them, honest. I, you were honest. But we Derek, held yourself. You you held, you you were holding accountable. Derek got. Um, a nice box of pizza, which okay. I was, you know, a local slice from your local pizza chain, which I love seeing. And and honestly, folks, the pizza there 
Pretty good if you're not going there at 1 a.m. when they're playing screamo music, all right? I'm that all would be on. like, I need to go there when they're doing that. Well, they're trying to get people out, you know? You know, they're like, don't don't sit in here too long. Oh, at one okay. in the morning, I think it's like, hey. I think if you, I think if you play, I think if you going. play scream, I think if you play screamo in your restaurant, I will sit in there for longer. I think you're going to be in the minority. Yeah, no, that. I definitely will be the minority. But that is some of the music I listen to regularly. So yeah, I, I, but I didn't is, know that about them. this. Is, yeah, I have gained a new respect for little. I think it's just generally loud music to be like, don't get too yeah. comfortable. Yeah. We're trying to get all of you it's like, uh, out of it's here. It's like, have you ever been, and I've only ever been once in my life, but have you ever been to a, uh, you ever been to a hard rock cafe? I've not ever been to a hard rock. It's not great, but uh, it's a <laughs> tourist destination. Cheesecake factory? They're, lo- they're so loud in there. Like, I guess that checks out. Right, it checks out, but. Would you rather go to the factory or the hard rock? Oh, the factory, of course. God. Get the world's okay steak. I, I am a big cheesecake <laughs> fan, though, so like. The food, at, the regular food at Cheesecake Factory, gigantic menu, but you know you can find some stuff that you that, that you can enjoy there. I, I'm a big cheesecake. Guy, if you though. are a hater of Little Italy, come at me on Twitter. I'm yes. ready for this war. And Today, yes, this and week's yes, Twitter I challenge was, is come at Painter on Twitter. About I was Little Italy. weak at CC's, but you know what? Everyone has you off are. days. Yeah, you were off. You were off on that day. I was sad. Were you sad? Because <laughs> you because you couldn't bring it. Yeah, because I was weak with it. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some basketball. Banner, before we discuss Auburn basketball and uh, their new schedule, non-conference schedule that just came out, as we get closer to the start of their season and the start of their practices beginning in earnest, uh, tell the uh, tell the folks at home that they can continue to support what we've got going on here at the Observer. Many of you have joined on in the last couple of weeks. Yep, keep that coming, folks. Thank, thank you. you for the, yeah, for yeah. That's... Thank you for supporting us and for the shouts out online. Many of you putting your koozies to good work, which we greatly appreciate. Also, if you're not in a position right now to contribute monetarily, mm-hmm. no, rating, understand. reviewing, subscribing. Yep. Got That's Apple Podcast five stars, and a written review means a lot to us. It helps us in the algorithms. It helps us get the word out there more, which means it's more opportunities to keep this going for a while. Share so. Ferg stories, you mm-hmm. know, things of that nature. A lot of nature. you have been doing stuff like that, and it's been really, really cool to see. And we very much appreciate it. This is going to be a fun, fun time of year. Yeah, I feel like we've created like a, and I say we loosely because what it really takes is the people listening and, and reading, doing this. Like there is now starting, I think, to be like a sense of, uh, it's such a cheesy word, but like a community. Yeah. Because it's like. Well, that's what, you, that's what they tell you, especially in media, that you want to build. You know, you want us to build a sense of community and, and you guys are, uh, you guys are out there doing it. Um, and you know, part of the community is we like to shout out the people that we like doing. People ask about discord. I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you two things about this. People ask about discord. Number one, Auburn fans, uh, our buddy Zach Blackerby locked on Auburn. They have a very, uh, frequently used and, uh, and vocal discord. Um, that's a lot of fun. There's a lot of a lot of different uh, topics that they tackle in there. You can sign up for that and listen to Zach's podcast as well. He does this every day of the week. Um, number two, if you aren't a part of it, I would highly encourage everybody to pay the little, little. Uh, I think it's like $3 a month now, sign up for Moon Crew and get their Discord. Uh, those are the folks behind the Split Zone Duo, which I was on last week. Uh, shut down full cast, uh, extra points with Matt Brown, that whole gang, Spencer and Holly's new venture at Channel 6. 
that's where we want uh, want want people to go to as well for that. So I had that. Also, would like to shout out our friends over at the War Report for uh, for their videos uh, and their discussions on Auburn football. There's been a lot of stuff they've been pumping out a ton of content here of the off season. It'll only ramp up here in the fall. So if you're looking for some Auburn videos and some discussion to watch on YouTube, check them out at the War Report. They do uh, a video. They do videos, uh, you know, every now and then, um, every couple of weeks now, I believe it is, uh, where their insiders, which I also encourage you to sign up for, uh, get to uh, get a get a video where they discuss some stats that you may have seen on the Observer. So uh, we appreciate those guys doing that, and uh, we enjoy Mike and the gang and what they've got going on there. So let's talk Auburn basketball, shall we? It is time. Bruce Pearl loves his schedule. Bruce Pearl. So I'm. I wrote about this on Thursday, and I'll be honest. And there are people. There are a couple of people on the beat who can verify this. Um, I see the schedule, and I see Bruce's comments, and I go, "Man, Bruce is really giving us the hard sell on this one. Um, really promoting it hard because like Bruce is a really is really good. He's one of those coaches who's really good at like talking up their opponent, his opponent, like the next one. He's, he's very you've good. Never, you've never heard a coach rave about a sub five hundred opponent the way this man can. I mean, he can convince you that like Texas A and M was one of the best teams in the league last year. If you start listening, Georgia, to yeah, you know, and like, I know Georgia beat him once, but he'll find, they'll he'll find a way to give you that good spin. Pearl says in the press release for their non-conference schedule, which was finalized last Wednesday, he said, quote, this is the most ambitious non-conference schedule in the history of Auburn men's basketball and in my career. And I said initially to myself and to a couple other people, I was like, man, this kind of seems a little, seems like a stretch. You played Baylor and Gonzaga last year. They were only the two, I think they were the only two teams that were ever number one in the country. I think they were one, two for most of the season, if not all of the season. And play for the national championship game, or play for the national championship. You played them in the non-conference schedule last year. You played Duke a, a, a couple of years ago in Maui. This schedule, this schedule right here, is the most ambitious one you've ever done. And so I look closer at the schedule, and you know what? I have to eat my words a little bit here, and I wrote about it on Thursday. Yeah, this is a pretty ambitious schedule when you put it all together. Now, I did not track every non-conference schedule ever. And I didn't have them all in Pearl's career. But what I did was, since Auburn's first breakout season, kind of when a lot of people say like the new era of Auburn basketball really began with that with that championship season, um, I looked it up. I just said, all right, how how tough were these non-conference regular season schedules? And so I went into Kempom. I looked at the final ratings. 21-22, we don't have Kempom ratings out yet in the preseason, but we've got something very close to it um, that I used as a comparison at T-Rank. So... Add it all up together. Here's the thing. Auburn's toughest schedule, probably prior to um, this one in non-conference play, was uh, a couple years ago in the Final Four year. Uh, in 2018-19, they played three teams that were top 50 in Kempom, six in the top 100, eight in the top 200. So you got three top 50, six top 100, eight top 200. According to the projections... That, Auburn, that, that, that they have right now for Auburn's non-conference schedule. They could play as many as five top 50 teams, eight top 100, and ten top 200. So there's not a Baylor or a Gonzaga on this, on this list. There's not a Duke with Zion and, 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 and R.J. Barrett and those guys on this list. But there's a lot of teams that are going to be competing for the, for, for the NCAA tournament this year. They're going to 
these are quality basketball opponents, and there's really no let up. You look at the projections, only North Alabama, who is still in the transition to getting to be a full-time D1, like they're building their way back up, is the only sub-300 team. Louisiana Monroe is eh, 281 right now. They go to South Florida, which we'll talk about in a second. That's 248. Everything else, top 150 you know, t- type of programs, including several top 100 and even a few top... Like, there's a chance they go to... There's an outside chance. They go to the Bahamas at Battle for Atlantis and in three straight days play three top 25 teams. There's a real chance that that, that, that could happen. So, Bruce is 100% right here. This is an ambitious non-conference schedule. Painter, I think that's a schedule that this team kind of needs because when they get into the SEC play, it's going to be a grind from beginning to end. Like, think about all the teams in the SEC this year, and you had the our podcast uh, a couple months ago uh, with with Blake, our friend Blake Lovell, where y'all ran down the SEC. Think about how many teams in the SEC got better, significantly better this offseason. Like, one or two of those are going to have to finish in the bottom half of the league just because of numbers. It signals probably some like confidence in your young team that yeah. they're going to be able to handle a nice run of non-conference opponents who are at minimum minimum competent. And mm-hmm. like if things work out like you were suggesting, you might end up playing a really uh, difficult non-conference schedule. But that part aside, uh, I, I would like to envision that Pearl feels good about what he's got on his team, that they're going to be able to go and have some success with this non-conference schedule, and that, it, of course, will set them up for a really, really difficult run in the conference. Uh, curious to know what the ACC and Big Ten will look like. Like, is there a chance, I wonder, that uh, the SEC is, like, the second-best league in mm-hmm. yeah. the uh, country this year? Maybe. Yeah, if you go back and look last season in college basketball, um, the Big Ten – the Big 12 and the Pac-12 were the three best. The SEC was actually ahead of the ACC last season. This is according to Ken Palm. Um, yeah, the Big 12, because they had the national champion and they had several top seeds, probably go go through there. The Big 10, very curious to see what the Big 10... I mean, the Big 10 had Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State. Those were four top eight seeds in the tournament. They were you know four of the top eight seeds in the tournament this past year, so... Very curious to see how that goes moving forward. But, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, and there's going to be no let-up in the SEC schedule. Like, we can say, oh, Georgia's probably going to be rough this year, and we can say, eh, South Carolina's probably going to be rough this year. That's about it. Like, Vanderbilt, who's going to have talent and who has Jerry Stackhouse as their coach, maybe be projected to be the 12th best team of the league. Like, that shows you the depth in the SEC this year. It's funny to think about what the league looked like five to ten years ago. Oh, my God, yeah. Absolutely, it, it's it's just it's just and night and the day. The league was miles behind. The, it used to be the, a joke. Yeah, but SC, hashtag SEC basketball fever was a real thing five years ago, and now it's not. It's a it's a it's a conference that is swinging with the with the elites in, in, in college basketball, which they should. But if you're not gonna if you're gonna have a conference schedule that's gonna have no let up, why not have a non conference schedule that has very little let up in it? Like, there's only a there's only two games really on the schedule where I think it's blowout city and from think, the beginning. I think you wrote that they start off the season with some of their weaker yeah. opponents, which makes sense. Including that game at USF. And I want to mention that real quick. That game at USF, 
They play at number projected number 248 USF right now. That game is going to be played at the Amali Arena, Arena, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Amali, in Tampa where the Lightning play. Not at South Florida's home uh, home arena, which is the Sun Dome, or used to be the Sun Dome. I think it's called the Yingling Center now at, at, at South Florida. Why is that important? Because the SEC tournament is going to be in Tampa this year and then go back to Nashville and will be in Nashville to, until the end of time. Um, but they're in Tampa this year at that arena. So they get a road game against a team that's not great, not projected to be great, but they get a road game against a team in a venue that they're going to be back at a few months later, get used to the sight lines, get used to the to the depth, um, the lights, all that stuff. That's that's pretty pretty sure shrewd scheduling there from uh, from Bruce. Yeah, looking at a few players' splits all in a way. I hope that helps. Mm-hmm. I hope that helps. Some of you guys have been really good shooters at home and struggled on the road. So hopefully that's a nice little strategy Bruce has in his back pocket. So they play Moorhead State and Louisiana Monroe at home. Those are, you know, Moorhead's going to be projected top 150 team, Monroe 281 like I said. They'll get to warm up. That 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 new group, all those new faces are going to kind of get a chance to gel and then they're going to go to the Bahamas. They're going to play in a what should be a stacked battle for Atlantis. They come back and then it's US uh, UCF Yale go go to Atlanta to play a Nebraska team. Yale was an interesting one too because it's like yeah I don't expect them to be a powerhouse right. They took the year off, but you wrote what twenty three and seven in the most Mm -hmm. recent season they had. So again, you know I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna beat the drum for Yale, but they're probably all right. Well, and you know Ivy League basketball teams are gonna be like they're gonna be well run, like they're gonna know their offense and they're gonna they're going to. They're, they're going to be hard to guard in, in some ways. Ira Bowman came from Penn, right? Yes. Is that that is considered an Ivy? That is an it? Ivy. Yes, they are in the Ivy League. Um, but, yeah, like really only North Alabama and UL Monroe were looking. It's like, oh, yeah, this could be like just a bashing. Now, could they whip up on USF on the road? Could they whip up on Yale at home? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen them do it in the past. They go to St. Louis. They play Murray State again because they can never get rid of Murray State uh, from the John Morant games. Um, and they play Oklahoma in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Like that's it's a stacked, you know, non-conference schedule. They play six games away from Auburn Arena, which is the most they've had, tied for the most that they've had in the last few years uh, in non-conference play. This is this is a resume stacker. You know, last season Auburn played a schedule in non-conference play, and it was a weird year. Yes, but they played a schedule in non-conference play. Where they faced, um, they faced the number one and number two team in Baylor and Gonzaga, uh, a top fifty team in Memphis, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. They played St. Joe's, South Texas Southern, Troy, Appalachian State. Pretty, you know, run of the mill opponents. Not teams that really challenged make it to the NCAA tournament last year. So. This is a very ambitious schedule. They are going to be battle-tested by the time they get to SEC play. Their record might not be sparkling, but what matters most is what you do in your conference. Alabama's record wasn't sparkling at conference plays end last year. and Yeah, that's hard to rem- that's hard to believe, right? Or at least at one point during conference play, there was, they there went, was a rumor they went about... Five and three, they went 5-3, and three, and it was a shortened year, obviously, in non-conference because of COVID, but they went 5-3 and three in non-conference play last year. And then proceeded to lose... Oh, sorry, no, 5-4 with the Oklahoma loss. Proceeded to lose two games 
in conference play. Very annoying. And there was a rumor that Nate Oates got into it with some of his players. So I was like evilly cackling to myself that it's all coming apart. And then they go on to have like one of the better conference regular seasons. One of the best years I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Just infuriating. So keep that in mind whenever Auburn goes into this into this tough schedule. Now, I would like to think that they're still going to have a good run at the non-conference schedule, even yeah. though I think it is a, a challenging one. Like, again... Just there isn't, there aren't a ton of weak opponents, even if you don't have Gonzaga or Baylor on it. Like, they're going to be playing good teams most nights. Uh, but with the talent Auburn has, yes, there will probably be some games where they're not excellent early on, but like also they should be better than a lot of the teams that they play in non conference. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I am starting, you know, how like. Auburn fans want Auburn to be undefeated in football every year, even though it's like, well, that's not in the cards. I'm starting to get unreasonable with basketball, where it's like, I want you to win all the non-conference games. I want you to go 16 and it. two in the SEC because I want it. Yeah, once you go 16 and two in SEC because Alabama did it last year. But also, I genuinely think the talent level of this team, like, yeah. would would hold them to to performing well out the gate, even with a young and inexperienced. Even with all team. the new experience, I think that T rank those those projections those Kempom ish projections uh currently have auburn uh at number 20 in the country number four in the sec with basically half your roster turned over and you that's, know, you, that's a lot of respect from your the best from player the might be a freshman i mean probably Unlikely. yeah probably yeah so um it, it'll be fun i think this is a this is an auburn team that's going to probably be ranked most of the season they're going to play a non-conference schedule that's going to challenge them. They're going to get into an SEC season that, you know, of course you want to win the championship. You want to be in your best position to make it to March, right? But, like, if they finish top four in the SEC and get that double bye, it's going to make you one of the best teams. I mean, look, number four in the Big Ten last season was a two seed, right? And I don't know if the SEC is going to be quite at that level, but if you're top four in this SEC this year, you could be one of the best teams in the country. And so I think that's a that's an admirable goal. Now, can this Auburn team, if they find it and click, could they win the SEC? Absolutely. We just saw Alabama do it last year. We saw Auburn do it a few years ago. It's possible. It's definitely possible. But man, this is going to be a tough but fun slate for Auburn basketball uh, in non-conference play and in conference play. So I would say get get ready for it, uh, and uh, don't be like Painter and think they're going to win every game. We're winning every game. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. They're, they're losing no games. Undefeated. They're gonna pull the they're gonna pull off the It would be very Auburn to Wichita do it. What, that. Was it Memphis that, that won every game but one and it was the one that you really want to win? Kentucky. Oh, it was Kentucky that did that. So I'm getting Cal- I'm getting Calipari confused, I guess. Let me look that up. It would be very Auburn to somehow go undefeated until the last game. Although I guess we just had a team do that, so Maybe I'm projecting a little here. Yeah, 2015, Kentucky went 38 and one, with the one being the national title game to, or I'm sorry, the Final Four game to Wisconsin. I think it was Wichita State that like came real close to running the table a few years back. Man, Davion Mitchell really bullied some people in the playoff <laughs> in the tournament. Lonnie pointing this out on Twitter <laughs> mentioned the mentioned the Kings how Davion Mitchell's on a team that has nothing but point guards now. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get why they're this way. Why are you this way? <laughs> I like the purple. Yeah, the purple's great. It's one of those places where 
it's of course kinda, they had, or maybe Mike I'm thinking Bibby. VCU that had no Wichita State. It was 14. Wichita State went undefeated in the regular season, undefeated in the conference tournament. They went into the NCAA tournament at 34 and 0, lost in the second round to Kentucky. <sighs> Not great, but so Painter. I yeah, don't know. If you, you need to lose to win a national championship at some point. Of course, Sacramento had Mike Bibby, the guy who was like, "I'll never make a normal pass Mm-mm. when a fancy pass would do." Mm-hmm. Uh, that white chocolate as well at one point. Uh, shouts out to Lonnie for pointing that out. He was like, "We need to talk about the Kings." He's a Knicks fan, right? And we were, you know, we were trying to, for him, we were trying to make Sharif to the Knicks happen, and it didn't. But it was like. Yeah, everybody makes fun of the Knicks. It's like, look at what the Kings are doing. They just keep taking the best point guard on the board every time they come Am up. Am I getting Mike Bibby and Jason Williams confused? I was thinking white chocolate Jason Williams. You might have been. You I might've. didn't realize that Mike Bibby was such a thick boy. Yes. Dear Lord. Uh, as I pointed out, the Kings the other day, their their best players taller than 6'6 on their roster right now are Harrison Barnes and Marvin Bagley. One guy who is... Always just been the definition of a solid player and another one who is actively trying to leave the team. <laughs> so. Okay, so Bibby is significantly bigger in 2018 and when this photo is taken than he was when he was with the Kings in the early 2000s. So my memory is not uh, completely failing me. So that's your Sacramento Kings update here on the Auburn Observer podcast. I know all of you tune in for that. Mike Bibby explains ejection from high school game. Ooh, that wouldn't be good. All right, so fall camp underway. A lot of t- a lot of stuff to take away from day one. Auburn basketball schedule off and rolling. We 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 are we are closer to knowing what the games are going to be in what order they're going to be in. In once we know the SEC layout. Um, Mike Bibby net worth. <laughs> you were just obsessed with Mike Bibby now. Uh. And we'll have we'll have plenty of stuff throughout the next uh, few weeks here at the Observer, heading into football season. A lot of fall camp coverage again. It's a perfect time to jump on. Six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. Everything we do, including this podcast right here, gets emailed to your uh, to your inbox uh, most days of the week. And um, yeah, we will be back uh, sometime in the middle of next week for our. Members of the inner circle, our subscribers, will have the uh, the premium podcast later in the week where we'll talk what else we've learned from a busy fall camp schedule. That's going to do it. Painter, your final thoughts that aren't that have nothing to do with Mike Bibby. Hopefully, congrats to Team USA basketball. You are significantly better than everyone. Yes, you should win the gold. But they looked really bad in the process. That can't <laughs> that can't be understated. Winning I've is good, but they should never lose a game. That should look this bad too. Yeah, I mean, like, it, good for winning. A, and a like, more it's, realistic you know, standard is what you're saying, which is like just look a little, little more competent. Mm-hmm. Given that you've got by far the best league in the world to pull from. So, oh, we're, not out. Give, we're not giving any respect to the to the gold medalists. I mean, it is cool, you know. Good for them. Congratulations! If this if, if if this isn't the dream, it's obviously not the dream team. What are we going to call this team? I was thinking the scream team because everybody was yelling at their TV every time they watched him play. That's the best I can do. And Draymond was heavily involved in it. I've watched a lot of water polo the last few days, and they hit each other in the face a good bit. <laughs> Oh,
wasn't right. 